When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today we're talking about when to see some of the best places in the Pacific Northwest, specifically the shoulder season. But before we dive into all of that, Jamie, we should probably explain what the shoulder season is. Yeah, so you're probably familiar with what's often called the peak season or the busy season at a given destination. That's the time of year when the weather is just right when most things are open, and when most people tend to visit. On the other hand, there's the off-season, which is when areas are usually closed or harder to access, typically due to the winter weather. So the shoulder season, then, is the period of time in between those two, usually just before the big crowds show up or just after they leave. So basically a a sweet spot, if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. And in most parts of the Northwest, that means... The spring and the fall, typically before Memorial Day at the end of May and after Labor Day at the beginning of September. And we should say traveling during the shoulder season can be a really great way to escape the crowds and to see some of our favorite natural places in a different way, maybe out of the season that a lot of folks normally visit them. We should also say, though, Shoulder season is not for everyone all the time. You know, these times of year can be a little dicey when it comes to the weather. You know, there may be some storms rolling through or snow on the ground. And that means folks should probably take extra precautions into consideration when going out there. That said, Jim, I am a huge proponent of traveling during the shoulder season for the exact reason you said previously. I mean, it's an opportunity to see these places we love in a different light. So you might be able to see the painted hills with snow on them or catch fall foliage at Steens Mountain. The fact that there are fewer people around, I mean, in my mind, that's a bonus, but not the entire point of doing this. Exactly. And on today's show, we're going to be talking all about some of the best places to travel during the shoulder season, just in time for spring break. So, Jamie, we have a whole list of recommendations. What do you say we get right to it? starting with places we should visit this spring. 
Let's jump into it, Jim. And I want to start off with one of my favorite spring destinations, and that is Olympic National Park. Oh, yeah. And I might just say eh, late spring, mid to late spring for <laughs> Olympic National <laughs> Don't Park. Don't do it in mid-March, folks. Uh, <laughs> no. Probably earlier than what a lot of you are looking for. Yeah. I mean, the Olympic uh, coast, the Olympic Peninsula, this is a super, super rainy part of the country. I mean, it's one of the rainiest parts of North America. So- when you're going in the in the in the shoulder season, you have to expect to get some amount of rain. That said, if you're able to escape some of those rain showers or, you know, just be willing to take them as they come and go, it is a fabulous, fabulous time to go there. Um, I hiked up to Enchanted Valley uh, back in May a few years ago. We've talked about this in a, mm-hmm. in a previous episode of the show. And, you know, just seeing the the glacier melt, the snow melt coming off of the mountains, just dozens of waterfalls pouring off on either side of the cliffs of this valley, you know, the fresh growth coming in, the bears coming out of hibernation, you know, um, the the grouse who are laying their eggs. I mean, there's just so much happening there in the spring and it's such a beautiful area. The coastline is gorgeous. There's so much you can do there. And, it, you know, beating the crowds that come inevitably in the summertime to go backpacking and fill it up is a great, great uh, reason to go there in the shoulder season. And this leads me to kind of underscore one of the main themes of uh, today's show, Jamie, is you can pull one of these trips off and kind of do what what I refer to as threading the needle. Uh, and I, I say this with a number of different contexts, but one of which is like finding that perfect time to do something where maybe the weather is just good enough where you're going to be comfortable, but it's not so good that everyone's going to be out there, right? Or you're going <laughs> exactly. just early enough uh, where the crowds are maybe, uh, let's say, still in school for the academic year, or you know, you're going on a, a Monday when most people are at their jobs or places of employment. You know, being able to thread that needle perfectly is something that you can really do in the shoulder season. And all of this is a preamble to say. If you're able to kind of set aside time and be flexible about where you go, you know, say, okay, two weekends from now, I'm going to take a three-day weekend and I'm going to go somewhere. And here are three ideas. And being able to pick the one you want according to the weather that you have in those different places, aka, let's say, the Olympics or going to Mount Hood or going to Oregon's High Desert, three different places we're going to talk about here you're probably going to be able to find uh, weather conditions you like in one of those spots. Yeah. And in some of these places, you can have different ideas within these broader regions as well. So Olympic National Park, if it's rainy, you know what? Check out the whole rainforest um, where you've got this dense, thick canopy um, that's going to protect you from some of the rain. If it's beautiful, maybe check out Rialto Beach or go hike up the Enchanted Valley yourself. Um, there are different things you can do in these different areas. You just have to think about what are the conditions going to be like and where can I go that will best keep me safe and have an enjoyable time. For sure, Jamie. So I want to move on here to uh, a place that I spend a lot of time in uh, the springtime is up on Mount Hood. And I've written about this previously and generally find it to be true. Um, but a, a concept that uh, you could refer to as ski fatigue, <laughs> which uh, basically is, you know, everyone is hungry to ski. Maybe not everyone, but skiers are hungry to get out there, uh, you know, 
to ride the slopes at Mount Hood's resorts or Oregon's resorts during the snowiest months, during your February time, maybe even into early March, into late March perhaps. But after spring break, uh, anecdotally speaking, I think a lot of people probably turn their attention to other activities. And guess what, Jamie? There is still a ton of snow out there after Oregon's spring break. And the conditions oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, make for really enjoyable days on the slopes. We're talking some sun. We're talking blue skies. You know, you can get out there without bundling up as much as maybe you would in the midwinter months. It's downright fun, Jamie, and I really enjoy that time of year up on Mount Hood. That strikes me as a really perfect time for Mount Hood, too, because you're not so late in the season that you're getting a ton of hikers out there as well. You know, the, the, a lot of the higher elevation trails are still covered in snow. Uh, maybe not so much that it makes good snowshoeing like it does when there's a lot of powder. Um, but, you know, it's certainly too much for most people to go hiking and camping and backpacking. So, you know, you end up with some of these places where people have left the slopes, like you said, because they have ski fatigue. People haven't gone up there yet to go hiking. So you kind of hit that, that, that sweet spot. Like you said, threading the needle. And it, it is this, all this is kind of about zigging when other people zag, right? So people are done with the mountain. Hey, that's my time to go to the mountain. You know, if the beach is a little too cold for folks, hey, that's my time to go to the beach. You know, really finding out where people are and aren't going and finding your sweet spot right in there. Yeah. And, and I should say too, Plenty of other people have this idea. You know, it's downright pleasant <laughs> to go up, uh, you know, into the mountains when maybe let's say it's, you know, 45 degrees and you feel comfortable out there in a light jacket, you know, and cake on the sunscreen and, and you know, enjoy your day uh, alternately taking runs and enjoying a hot chocolate or a beer or something, you know, outdoors. It's a pretty great way to spend, uh, you know, a springtime weekend day or for the lucky among us, a weekday up on the mountain. You know, you won't be alone, but I do think generally a lot of folks' enthusiasm for going skiing and whatnot does tend to wear off as other opportunities emerge. You know, hey, I want to go hiking. I want to go kayaking. I want to do, uh, you know, something uh, that you couldn't do as comfortably during the wintertime. Absolutely. And I think shifting along with some of those people off of the mountains down to the lower elevations um, I want to bring up uh, one of my favorite places to go to in the springtime, which is the high desert in sort of south central uh, eastern Oregon. It's just a, a fabulous region with so much to do. And I, I feel like there's a, a lot of people who go out there in the summertime. You get your summer break, mm -hmm. um, take your road trip out there, maybe see the Painted Hills, maybe go out to Smith Rock, whatever the case may be. The springtime, I love in these high desert areas, if you go down sort of along the rivers, say like the John Day River or the Deschutes River, there's just so much green life that is just springing from the ground in what is otherwise that kind of brown landscape. It makes for some really, really beautiful scenes. And there are some really beautiful spots to go to that still are not quite as crowded as some of the more popular destinations, say, in the gorge or on the coast. So every spring, I love to go to um, Cottonwood Canyon, which is a state park, beautiful spot along the John Day River um, with some great hiking trails along the river there, a little campground, some cabins. Highly recommend Cottonwood Canyon as a, as a spot for either an overnighter um, or just a nice sort of long day trip if you're willing to drive out there and back. Um, the Deschutes River Trail, which um, 
There are many, many sections of the Deschutes River Trail out in Bend, closer to the Columbia River, places where you can hike along that river and get a sense of what I've been talking about, kind of that, that greenery coming forward and the life springing forth in the desert from the river. Uh, I mean, we're used to hearing about wildflowers in the gorge. Um, there's wildflowers out there in the desert. You can go to the Painted Hills and you can see wildflowers sprouting there in that strange and beautiful landscape. So going there just a little bit early, this isn't super, super early, but this is just as the snow starts to melt and these areas become accessible, jump on them and you can find just a, a beautiful landscape and have it. And a lot of times, especially if you're out there on weekdays, you can have it pretty much to yourself. And one of the things we talked about, Jamie, is trying to, you know, find the weather that is best for your given time or, or the given activity you want to be doing. And again, anecdotally speaking, you can oftentimes find that sunnier weather if you go over onto the east side of the Cascades. You know, it, it can be amazing just dropping over, let's say, uh, the mountain passes at Mount Hood uh, and heading out toward Warm Springs. You can see a complete change in the weather just from dropping down onto that east side of the Cascades. And man, you can be rewarded with some gorgeous days at a time when maybe, you know, the Portland area or elsewhere in, uh, you know, in the valley uh, could be maybe a little less hospitable in terms of sun and warmer temps. Jim, one more spring destination um, for the shoulder season here that I, I love here is Crater Lake. So this is a spot that is you know, a place where you can't expect to see snow melting in the springtime necessarily. <laughs> um, you know, you don't get a whole lot of snow melt until you know, end of spring, beginning of summer. But it's a, a great place to go, um, you know, for just a, a nice road trip down there to see Crater Lake when it's maybe not totally full like it gets in, say, July and August. So going out there in April or May, if you're okay with navigating some of that snow, um, there might even be enough still to do some snowshoeing out there, which is always fun. You can really get a, a beautiful sort of winter look at Crater Lake with snow over top of that beautiful blue lake and maybe get a different look at it if you're used to seeing it in the summertime. You know, if you're used to swimming in the lake or, you know, hiking all those trails, try snowshoeing, see it in a different, a different light. That's a really cool way to go out there and to escape some of those huge, huge crowds that descend on Crater Lake every summer. And just one note for folks, if you do, uh, you know, want to go check out Crater Lake, uh, you know, during the shoulder season, it is worth checking ahead to see what the road closure situation is, right, Jamie? So mm -hmm. going all the way around the lake via, I believe it's called Rim Drive, is kind of one of the Crater Lake staples. You know, you can drive around, stop at different pullouts, uh, see the lake from different vantage points. That is not open all the way around the lake during the winter time. So folks should be prepared to check online first and make sure they know what's open before planning a trip. Yeah, Jim, that, that's a great point. Um, you know, like you said, Rim Drive is what a lot of people go to Crater Lake to do. Um, but the the entirety of it doesn't necessarily open until um, about mid-July. So the north entrance of Crater Lake and west Rim, Rim Drive usually opens, you know, it, it depends on the weather, but we're looking kind of end of May, sort of beginning to middle of June. And then east Rim Drive, which completes that loop around Crater Lake, doesn't usually open until sometime around early to the middle of July. 
So really want to make sure you check in with Crater Lake to see the conditions, to see the road openings. I mean, there's so many beautiful views of Crater Lake without driving around the whole thing that you'll have a great time no matter what. But if that is something you want to do, then you definitely want to wait a little bit later in the season. And Jim, you know what? As we've been talking about shoulder seasons, Crater Lake is a great example of a place where you can see it in either shoulder season. Mm -hmm. So it's great in the springtime, like we said, for all these reasons. But showing up in the fall, kind of in that September, late September timeframe is a great time to see it without any snow at all and with some fewer crowds, typically speaking. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like you're not going to go wrong basically ever with Crater Lake, but staying (laughs) away from the crowds does make for a little bit, uh, I don't know, an experience I would prefer personally. And many of us are familiar with Crater Lake uh, in the heat of the summer, but, you know, throw a little twist on it. Go in the spring, go in the fall, um, you know, go when the temperatures are maybe a little bit colder go in search of maybe a different activity. Like you said, Jamie, maybe some snowshoeing in the spring. Um, Obviously no snowshoeing uh, to be had if you were to go uh, in the early fall, but uh, that's neither here nor there, Jamie. Uh, A couple other places to note for fall shoulder season destinations in case, you know, you folks are planning ahead. We have the North Cascades, which we've talked about before going to see the larches, uh, up in Washington state. That is a great option. One that I particularly enjoy, you know, those larches, the trees turning kind of these golden hues, very beautiful. Also very popular, mind you. Another destination up in Washington, Mount Rainier, one that both Jamie and I, uh, we've admitted we have not spent much time on Mount Rainier or around Mount Rainier, but uh, a very worthy destination all times of year. And then, Jamie, a couple of your favorites, the Wallawas and Steens Mountain as well. Yeah, Jim, these are a couple spots that I love in the fall, um, especially Steens Mountain. This is a, a spot where you have these um, these kind of high desert canyons that are filled into the mountain, and they're full of aspen trees, which in the fall, once they start to turn color, it is just a beautiful, beautiful display. I think it is one of the best fall color displays in Oregon. Uh, we've talked about this in a previous episode about fall color. You can go back and, and listen to that one for some more details. Um, the Wallawa Mountains, too, are a spot that gets so crowded in the summertime that it can just make it unpalatable for a lot of people. I visited once in sort of the end of October, and it was definitely chillier, cloudier, less sort of uh, majestic, uh, you know, with the colors of the blue sky and all the green. But I have to say, Jim, I had pretty much the entire Eagle Cap wilderness to myself, it felt like. So if you're looking to get out there without those big crowds that descend upon Joseph, fall is a perfect time to visit the Wallawas. I love it, Jamie. And we'd be remiss not to mention, of course, the Columbia River Gorge of a spot uh, that is going to be a very good destination, both in the spring when waterfalls are really gushing and in the fall uh, when maybe some of the crowds are not as heavy. All that said, Jamie, we are going to talk some more about how to travel the Pacific Northwest during the shoulder season right after a short break. All right, folks, we are back talking about traveling in the shoulder season here in the Pacific Northwest. And for us, that shoulder season is, you know, this time of year, typically before Memorial Day at the end of May. So 
we've got some time, uh, Jamie. We've got plenty of ideas that we ran through in the first portion of today's show. But we haven't talked much about what we need to do collectively to be prepared while traveling this time of year. So what do you have for us in terms of tips and tricks, ways to stay safe, and also ways to just simply enjoy yourself this time of year? Yeah, well, I mean, the the big thing that people need to consider is precipitation, basically. Um, You know, this is a time of year when, I mean, anyone who lives in Willamette Valley, of course, has seen rain just blow through. It's sunny one minute. It's dumping hail the next minute. It's sunny again. It's raining. I mean, it can really be unpredictable um, what you're going to find when you're out there. So whether that's um, preparing extra rain gear, uh, make sure you're bringing layers, rain jackets with you. Waterproof boots uh, is always great. Waterproof hiking boots. If there's going to be water on the trail or mud or snow, you know, I think expecting that there might be snow on the roads is also a huge thing. I mean, when we're talking about this early springtime, a lot of times in these higher elevation roads, the snow is not yet melted and they're not out there plowing the back forest roads. So, I mean, you might find you get a couple of miles up of a road towards a trailhead and it's fine. And all of a sudden you hit a big patch of snow and have to turn around. That's happened to me before out there in Eastern Oregon this time of year. And it means that sometimes you can't go on these trails that you wanted to go on. So, I mean, precipitation can really throw a wrench in your plans, whether it's a huge rainstorm while you're on the hike or it's a bunch of snow on the road as you're trying to get to it. And that's something that to some extent you may be able to get a little bit of an idea of what you're getting into ahead of time. So you could do that a couple different ways. You could do that by uh, trying to call ahead to a forest ranger or, you know, someone who is familiar with uh, the the area where you're trying to hike. One thing that I also find helpful is trying to do my research online as much as possible. So whether that's going on to all trails, uh, a hiking resource site and looking for trip reports, whether that's searching for uh, a specific area on social media, watching for trip reports elsewhere, depending on your activity, um, crowdsourcing uh, information about what current conditions are at your specific destination can be a huge help uh, when actually planning, okay, is there going to be a foot of snow where I'm going or is that going to be dry ground? Exactly. And, you know, these guidebooks, Jim, that a lot of people use are great resources, generally speaking. But doing some of that online research is going to, like you said, let you know what the current conditions are out there. I mean, for example, we're looking at the, you know, springtime hiking right now. And there's a lot of trails that are closed for several months due to all those winter storms that just blew through. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the Eagle Creek Trail, which reopened briefly at the beginning of winter, is now closed for know, a a little while longer. Um, The Wilson River Trail out in the coast range is also closed through, they're saying maybe through mid-May. There's trails in the Columbia River Gorge that you can't get to because there are huge mudslides still happening on the historic Columbia River Highway. So there are changing conditions, um, seasonal conditions that you need to take into consideration when you're going out there. So doing as much research as you can online, you know, calling people up at ranger stations, um, looking at news sites, um, doing what you can to find out as much as you can is going to be crucial to making sure you're actually able to get out there and doing what you want to do. And Jamie, it's worth noting too that climate change is also changing the shoulder season and what that means for hikers and us more generally as a population. 
Yeah, that's I think a huge thing to consider right now. Um, I mean, with the the constantly changing and more chaotic climate, where we hike, when we hike, um, what the conditions are like is just constantly in flux right now. I think there's a really good example at Crater Lake National Park. This is a spot that really serves um, to to show how climate change is affecting this. So, I mean, if you look at the crowd numbers that have gone to Crater Lake over the last couple of years, what we've been seeing is just an influx in people showing up in May, June, and people showing up in, say, September, October. So what this shows us, um, and I've talked to the people at the park as well who have confirmed this, is that you have just warmer climate earlier in the season that is staying warmer later. So it's still getting snow at Crater Lake. I mean, it's probably always going to get snow at Crater Lake, but it's just melting faster and appearing a little bit later in the year. So as we're talking about the shoulder season, that means climate change is just opening up that shoulder season and allowing people more time to get out there and explore it. So it's kind of this this strange benefit. Like I feel a little guilty being like, oh, great. Um, that's such a, a, a nice thing to come from this horrible, uh, horrible global event. But it, we should note that, that there's also these effects of climate change that are negatively impacting when we can go to places uh, like Crater Lake as well. So, I mean, the intensifying summer wildfires, I think, is the perfect example. You know, there's, you know, weeks and sometimes uh, a month in the summertime when the smoke is so bad uh, or fires are so bad that we can't go outside. We can't access some of these places. So at Crater Lake, they've had to shut down the park in some cases because wildfires are in the park. Um, or people just have not showed up because the smoke is so bad. You just can't be outside and be healthy. So these are all things as we look forward into the future to think about, you know, the climate change is really affecting, um, what outdoor recreation looks like and what our access to outdoor recreation looks like. So it's just, I think just another reminder that when you're looking at going out there in some of these less reliable seasons when it comes to weather, you really need to take all of these things into consideration and remember that every year is a new year. And that just underscores again, Jamie, kind of a theme we hit on earlier in today's show of being flexible, you know, maybe setting up two or three different destinations or activities within those destinations that you would like to do, depending on the weather and the conditions out there. And you're not going to be uh, disappointed in yourself for doing that work ahead of time, setting up those uh, multiple different options and choosing the one uh, that kind of fits the conditions best. There's plenty, plenty of goodness to get after this time of year throughout the Northwest. And, uh, you know, a little bit of extra planning, Jamie, will pay off. That's right. Flexibility is key always, but especially when traveling this year and especially when traveling during this time of year. Very good, Jamie. Well, I hope you folks all get out there and enjoy some shoulder season magic here in the Northwest. But until next time here on the show, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details, of course, at OregonLive.com slash pod support. This episode of the show was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot News. 
Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 Seconds of Zen.